0: Good morning, welcome to Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Salvo. Today I have a wonderful guest, Dr. Alan Weiser. He and his group at New Options, Inc., a pain management practice, has an extensive background in working with the psychological problems people face when they are living with complex and chronic pain problems. Working at New Options, Inc., he has participated in multidisciplinary teams that has forged successful collaborations between patients, claim managers, medical practices, and agencies. By focusing on collaborative and realistic goals and practices within a coherent clinical model, his practice has provided support that empowered chronic pain patients to transition from dysfunction and disability to empowerment and recovery. He looks forward to sharing concepts and techniques for working with people suffering with chronic pain and medical conditions. When he was 12 years old, he broke his neck in a diving accident in a local swimming pool. Though he nearly died, he developed an unshakable belief that he could and would recover. During this two-year recovery, he came to understand that it was not just physical pain that affected him. The injury had caused a high level of emotional suffering and self-confidence was severely shaken. His former approach to life, based on taking risks and challenging himself, seemed entirely out of reach. In reaction to this, he engaged in many growth-related activities, including becoming a trial lawyer and taking up martial arts, which eventually led to an emerging need for more profound change in his life. Back in New York City, with his life reimagined, he began his pursuit of a degree in clinical psychology. His studies led to working with the chronically mentally ill in a state mental hospital for many years. His work deepened his understanding that treating any kind of human pain required understanding and treating a person's whole life. To do that, you need to learn what is meaningful and inspiring to them. A move to Seattle in the late 1990s led Dr. Weiser to applying his evolved awareness skills and knowledge in dealing with chronic, mental, emotional, and physical suffering. In 2002, he founded New Options in Seattle where he has become a highly respected clinician, working with patients who suffer with chronic, Physical and emotional pain. He has developed a systemic way to help them discover their potential and their abilities, and master chronic conditions. He published his book *New Possibilities: Unraveling the Mystery and Mastering Chronic Pain* in 2001. So, Alan, I am I. That was a lot, and wow, what an established, amazing person you are! But I'm going to go ahead and hand it over so you can talk for a minute. <laughs> so, thanks for being on the show, and maybe you can kind of you know, um, add a little bit to what I just read here about your story of um, of kind of going through your own pain process and how you've used your own personal experience to help others.
1: And, and thank you for going through that really long introduction. <laughs> uh, as I was listening to you, I realized I probably should edit it down a bit. What I've specialized in as a clinical psychologist in the last 20 years is helping people with chronic physical pain and, and disease. Uh, And before that, working with people who are chronically mentally ill, and 10 years of those in a state mental hospital in New York. But all of it relates back to my own early experiences. Uh, When I was 12, I was trying to do backflip on a diving board. I was interested in diving tricks, and I was very headstrong and comfortable taking risks. I found out, by the way, did you know when you do a backflip, you're supposed to dive out from the board, not straight up?
0: I don't know how to swim. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't do a lot of backflips, but I imagine yeah. that that would be true.
1: Well, the problem was that I you know, I was headstrong. I figured I could figure it out for myself. So I hit the board. I broke my neck seriously. They took me to the hospital. Uh, remember, I'm 15 years old. It's a long time ago. The doctor walks in, uh, and you'll see the relevance to the rest of what we're talking about and says, if you don't die and you're not paralyzed, you will be crippled for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. So imagine, uh, and I spent uh, the next year, several months in the hospital in a cast, uh, and then literally on my back at home for over a year, not allowed to get out of bed or even set up. Uh, I assume things would be done differently today, but that's how they treated things then. But more importantly, nobody knew how I felt. I put on a happy face, I told jokes. Uh, Nobody had any idea that I was completely devastated. Uh, Any sense of being safe or taking risk or being headstrong crashed and burned. And I wasn't even completely aware of that until later on in my life. So I go through high school, I don't do sports. I'm not doing well in school at all. Considering I have two PhDs, I almost dropped out of high school. Wow. until I ran into a chemistry teacher who insisted that I was smarter than I thought I was. And if you if you heard the conversation, you would have been laughing because he's basically saying, you're smart. And I'm going, no, I'm not. But mm-hmm. he helped me to see that by working with me and getting me through chemistry with a decent grade. So by the time I got to college, I was really tired of feeling limited. And I decided that if I was going to have a problem in my life, I wanted it on my terms, which is when I signed up for Judo and Trampoline, just to make a point. Remember, I wasn't supposed to do anything involving impact.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah.
1: Well, the good news is I've been in the martial arts over 50 years and my neck is fine. Mm. Uh, It could have gone the other way, but if you hear what I talk about next, you'll see where this is all formative. Uh, Always interested in human potential, always interested in what's possible. The martial arts are all about what's possible as a child, I was interested in science fiction. That's also about possibilities, transformation, potential. Uh, worked as a trial attorney for a long time and enjoyed the work, but always knew there was more to what I wanted to be doing, but also in that work took on the role of defense and tried to empower people that didn't really feel like they had any power in a system that could be overwhelming. So if you look at my entire life course, there's always this pattern of wanting to challenge a sense of helplessness in people, a sense of powerlessness in people, and demonstrating across the environments that I've worked in that it's possible. Uh, Working with the chronically mentally ill was probably the best thing I've ever done in my training because these were people who were not only psychotic and in a hospital, but institutionalized. I've been trained classically. I went through psychoanalysis for 15 years, but I began to understand that treating the illness was really not the right focus, that the focus needed to be on helping to resuscitate the person's life. That if you are mentally ill and you're in a hospital, it's not just the mental illness, it's what kind of life do you have left? How much have you lost? So I learned quite a bit about that and how to actually deal with it uh, through techniques that help to empower these people and actually get them out of the hospital and back into some life, uh, whereas most people had written them off. When I got into chronic pain work, uh, almost accidentally, I discovered the same thing. My patients weren't psychotic, but it wasn't just the physical injury or the illness. It was the collateral damages, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the book, Unraveling the Mystery really means understanding that when you have a chronic pain problem, that over time, it begins to affect everything, your physical life, your personal life, there's up to 200 potential collateral damages from having chronic pain. The medical system is only designed to deal with the injury; they don't address the rest. And all of those collateral damages feed back into how much pain you have and how well you can recover. For example, if you have sleep disruption, which is common with pain, that's going to add up to 50 percent to your pain. Not to mention undermining your immune system, so it's harder to heal. So. My patients over the last 20 years have been really good teachers in educating me about all the things that can go wrong. So that was the first part of the development of this approach. Uh, My experience in business because I'm also entrepreneurial and have started a number of companies been a consultant to other companies and helping them to build it was always based on it being employee centered and empowering the staff. and and developing ways of interacting with each other so that everybody has ownership and buy-in, which everyone knows is the thing that will make companies successful, but it's very difficult to do. So the same approach that I use with the chronically mentally ill, the chronic pain patients was actually applied in many ways in business successfully. So here's the part that's really interesting. When I first started and I would hear descriptions of really terrible physical problems, and they're always multiple, most of my patients have more than one problem. I basically said to myself, what do you think you're gonna do with this? Mm -hmm. Really, Mm -hmm. you think you're gonna help these people? If I hadn't worked in the hospital, I might not have had the faith that I might find a way. I didn't know what it would be, but I found a way with people that no one thinks you can treat. So over the years, I've discovered quite a bit, and a lot of this is in the book, uh, and I would say this is the part I would like to share with your audience. That's very important. It turns out, you may know this, people may know this, that human beings are the product of millions of years of evolution. Mm-hmm. Kind of know that, right? Mm-hmm. But what we don't understand is that if we are, does it not make sense that evolution would have provided you with a toolkit right? yes, to meet right? any challenge? Right? We are designed mm-hmm. to meet any challenge, to mm-hmm. adapt, to survive, to thrive. So when I hear people tell me that they're helpless and they're hopeless and they think nothing can be done, I know that's patently untrue. Human beings by definition are infinite potential. We're designed with infinite potential, but most of us don't know that. And even if we did, we don't know what the toolkit is. So that got me into thinking about, all right, what is that? Well, all human experience ultimately is defined in thoughts and feelings, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then those thoughts and feelings lead to action. So I'm going, all right, let's look at thoughts and feelings. And that evolved into something called the existential immune system. turns out we don't just have a physical immune system. We actually have a psychological, emotional, and and existential immune system. Uh, All you need to do is find out what the tools are and, and how to use them. And that will optimize your opportunity to overcome anything. Yeah. You and I both know how much everyone looks forward to somebody who's inspiring. Yeah. Somebody who those things where we go like, how in the world do you do that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like starting a successful company. How do you have a successful startup, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I've never had more fun than when I joined a group of entrepreneurs in Seattle and would go once a month to a meeting of about 200 entrepreneurs and realize it was my tribe because people who are entrepreneurial think the same way it's all about possibility, right? It's all about potential. It's all about creativity. So the basic elements of your existential immune system are understanding that feelings have a functional purpose, understanding that there's forms of thinking like judgmental thinking that are counter evolutionary, knowing how to not resolve conflict, but how to embrace it successfully because conflict is a vehicle for relationship success. Then there's also being able to value your needs as equal to everyone else's. Many people make decisions without really considering themselves first. And then ultimately understanding how you came to operate the way you do. I don't talk to people about mental illness or or psychological labels. I talk about operating systems. I'll say to a patient, you know what? A lot about what you are as a person operating in the world is fine, but you have some non-user friendly features. You suppress your emotions, you engage in a lot of dysfunctional thinking, let's upgrade the system. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you that over the last 20 years, this approach has been staggering in its ability to change people. The first thing I'll normally hear from my patients is I don't know if I have less pain, but I don't feel the same way about it. I don't experience it the same way. So it's been very inspiring to me to see what happens. And what I do is unique. Uh, It may exist someplace else in the country sure as heck doesn't exist in Seattle or in the state, and that's why, if you see the places I presented and the people that endorse the book, these are people who recognize that this is something different and something powerful. Uh, I made a decision a long time ago about whether I wanted to try and change the medical system. uh, And decided, no, I don't want to do that or create a different kind of clinic what I do want to do is empower patients. Uh, And this model has been applied to people without physical pain, people with persistent emotional suffering, same approach. So that's what I'd like people to understand, that if you really understand what you're up against, if you can analyze your negative realities, if you can optimize the way you operate as a human being, it's possible to overcome anything.
0: Mm, yeah, that's like a mic drop right there. <laughs> wow, that was um, my, my brain is like going 100 miles an hour here. I have so many questions. So with all of this vast experience you've had, you know, like you said, working in these different situations with these different kind of patients um, throughout your career and really kind of just seeing that the common thread, it sounds to me like there's a common thread here, an underlying thread of, you know, maybe like you said, patterns of thinking, things that were maybe um, passed down or inherited uh, generationally or, or things like that. Right. So often we don't challenge what we think we know. We just accept it as the truth. And later on, it becomes valuable to actually go back and go, but wait a minute. Like you said, the doctor said your prognosis is he gave you, you know,
1: this is what he gave me. He gave me a life sentence.
0: He gave you a life sentence but there was something inside of you that said well he may know my medical situation but he doesn't know me he doesn't know what i'm made of and you actually took that and ran with it and those tend to be those kind of underdog stories right back yeah. in the day uh rudy you know uh the the runt, and he finally makes the team and Notre Dame, and all these wonderful things but that's really those are the things that i think we can connect to most of I wasn't an exceptional person given a silver spoon and then did exceptional things which that's okay too. But it's really kind of like through trial and error and my own struggle I happen to stumble upon this and now this is my path and my purpose, right? Once we have information like this it can really change lives. There's almost a responsibility to share it,
1: would you agree? I would agree completely and this is one way of approaching something that many other people have discovered and and teach and share. Uh but I'm a very practical person. These these are techniques that we use are very efficient. A person might obsess about something they're worried about for days or weeks or months. And I can tell you without without meaning to sound exaggerated that give me 15 minutes to apply the techniques that I've developed and they'll deal with that. That anxiety will be eliminated Uh, because if you don't know how to use these, then they will use you.
0: Uh, I'd like you to elaborate and go a little bit deeper on why anxiety and anger are the most important human emotions, if you don't mind.
1: So glad you asked. My favorite subject. Yay! <laughs> yeah. So, what got me into this is that with chronic pain patients, they have so much anxiety and anger, even more so than the typical emotional patient. Uh, and I'm going like, is that all bad news? Is that all about suffering? Is there any value to this? And uh, because of my way of thinking and my training philosophy, I go like, okay, this is what I've discovered. Uh, and I will stand my ground with anybody about this, even though I didn't learn this in graduate school. And I, even some of the literature, Buddhist literature, other evolved literature doesn't necessarily get this right. So I'll take a bold position on this one. You think about this, right? If you're a well-designed human being, like any machine we have, you have to have warning systems, right? Mm-hmm. To let you know when there's a malfunction. Mm-hmm. so what do you think the warning system is to alert you to any threat to your needs just anxiety mm-hmm. right, you'll never feel any level of anxiety unless needs are being threatened sure right? because we are our needs we have a mission as human beings to get our needs met all the time if we can so mm-hmm. it turns out anxiety is a warning system so when you're feeling anxious you don't want to go like why am i anxious you want to go what needs are being threatened it's a very different approach to this and then of course It's good to know when I'm in the jungle and I run into a lion that I'm in danger, that's helpful, but I still need to do something, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: For that you need the single most important human emotion and that is anger. Anger is focus and energy to put the threat to rest. It's that first moment when you start getting charged up and focused. Anger is not yelling, screaming and hitting, that is not anger, that is a mismanagement of anger. Anger is focus and energy to put the threat to rest. And anger is thought of as bad because people are mistaking the misuse of it for what it is. Right. So I literally got a t-shirt that says, I love anxiety and anger. Most people think I'm crazy, but if you understand what they're for and how to use them, you realize just how much power you have.
0: Yes.
1: You know how people always talk about, I don't know who I am.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Here's the interesting part. If you want to use the technique for anxiety and anger, you have to get into your needs, right? You are your needs. You explore what makes you anxious and angry. You will find out exactly who you are.
0: Mm. So tell me maybe like Shira, an interesting story or two about, you know, maybe the person thought they were anxious or angry about this. And it turned out to be something completely different because that self-exploration often leads us to a path that we we were we just had no awareness of, right?
1: I can give you a classic example that's really important remember i mentioned thinking can be a problem Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so there's a number of non-evolutionary based thinking uh judgmental thinking assumptions rationalizations magical thinking right Mm -hmm. belief-based thoughts you see what goes on in the world these days because people buy into certain beliefs right right those forms of thinking are not evolutionary based they're not productive so if you're feeling anxious but your belief system says that if you're not perfect or you're not achieving at a high level or you're not being approved of then your self-esteem is at risk and if i'm working with somebody that's having that problem i will clarify for them that actually your self-esteem has nothing to do with who you are so you might not be happy about the situation but you don't need to be experiencing that level of threat because your self-esteem is not involved A threat to self-esteem is the existential equivalent of facing a bear in the woods. That's a typical problem. That's one of the first things I look at. Do people have any non-evolutionary-based thinking if they're suppressing their emotions, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Have you known
1: people that have a hard time connecting to anxiety and anger? Mm -hmm. They can't suppress it or eliminate it. Yeah,
0: Um, I notice notice, uh, in my own practice for females, very disconnected to anger, um, majority. Right. So they, they tend up, uh, to have the sadness instead, right?
1: Well, that's because they think that anger is bad. And yeah, dangerous.
0: exactly.
1: But it is, it's a warrior. It's powerful, but consider the difference between lightning and electricity. The difference is if you channel these emotions properly, they will serve you well. If you don't, you might as well be a lion's hammer with no technique and no chair and no whip. And good luck with that. We we have these forces within us for a good reason. They are powerful because they need to be. But somehow you and I, we didn't get educated about this. I don't know about you, but nobody taught me about this. No,
0: gosh, no.
1: <laughs> you know, and it's 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 very tragic because that undermines optimization as a person you try and deal with, COVID is a great example, right? Whose coping system was designed to deal with COVID, Mm -hmm. right? Pretty much nobody. On the other hand, the people that I see thriving are the ones who understand that, okay, just another challenge. Yeah, it's a life-shaking challenge, but so is chronic pain, right? right? So is chronic mental illness. The real question is, can you reinvent yourself? Mm -hmm. Can you find another way to be you? You never lose who you really are, no matter what happens to you, unless you decide that you're conditional. But nobody's conditional. Who you are is a work in progress. It's a creation. You don't like who you are, change it.
0: And then we go back and we circle back to identity. And, you know, Alan, something I, I often see and I'll ask people that are dealing with chronic illness um, and chronic pain and/or mental illness is: is this part of your identity? Have you have you become so entwined with this that if it changed? Right you really, you know, you would cling to it. You would rather have it because it gives you a sense of self than not have it and have that feeling of kind of being in the vast void. And I'm so curious how you approach that.
1: I'm, I now definitely just... know
0: you've seen it. I know you've seen it.
1: Oh, it's, it's completely typical. Uh, there's a couple of angles on this one. To begin with, a lot of that identification is not created by the person. It's created by the treatment environment. The treatment environment t- tends to treat you like a diagnosis. So they contribute a lot to, they tend to disempower patients more often than not, not by intent, but by the way they practice. Uh, So they're contributing to that. I don't think most people want to buy into thinking of themselves as a diagnosis or an illness or an injury. Uh, As a matter of fact, most people are incredibly conflicted about it, but they tend to think that that defines them. But if you understand that the only thing that defines you is infinite potential. If you, if you feel like you cannot be who you are, you're missing the point, right? Who you are is not determined by what you can and cannot do. And how many different ways is there to live a life and feel inspired and productive? From an evolutionary point of view, think about it. What are we, one trick ponies? If we can't live a life a certain way, we have no life.
0: So, <laughs> I love that, right? <laughs> you, know, you
1: know what I'm saying? So I, I, I address people with a lot of these challenges, uh, there's a logic to a lot of this. You can probably hear it. I actually had a patient recently who asked me to please stop being logical. Uh, I said, you know, I really can't help myself. There, there is a, a truth about human beings that we understand, but so, so few of us know how to use it, how to get to it, how to embrace it. So what happens with my patients, and that's why you see in the title of my book, it's not managing chronic pain. I will never use that word again. Uh, I won't use the word chronic anymore either. It's persistent.
0: Love it. Chronic sounds too much
1: like a sentence, right? Mm -hmm. No, it's mastery. What does mastery mean? From my point of view, it means I'm running the show, not the pain, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not an illness. I'm not a mental patient. I'm not a chronic pain patient. I'm a person with a problem. Yes. And most patients need to hear that. The real problem is patients are not being inspired to understand how much power they have to understand their their role. What doctor is ever, to, I don't know if you've had the experience, what doctor tells patients, here's your job, here's your job description, because they have one. Yes. And why? Because they know more about their situation than any doctor will ever know. Yes. Their day-to-day experience, the patterns in their life. I educate people, there's two chapters on how to be more empowered in the treatment environment because patients don't know they have a job description. They don't know how to use their own experience to help empower their recovery.
0: Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) I just, I really hope that what you're saying is, is the future, is the future of medical care, is the future of uh, mental health care. You know, unfortunately, the two worlds are isolated so often, and they don't really work together, and they treat like the head and the body are, uh, are cut off and not connected and, and don't talk to each other, right? But I, I believe that we are, we're an organic organism that is highly, highly, highly intelligent, <laughs> that, that, like you said, everything has a purpose and it's working a certain way. And I also tend to have the belief that everything serves. So yeah. once, once you can get to that foundation, once you can get to that core piece, which it sounds like you have a really uh, extensive process and a way to do so, the healing can really begin to accelerate.
1: That's right. And I I tell people the two most important tools for healing are number one, inspiration, and number two, connectivity. Uh, Any study you ever do of a person who's done something inspiring, uh, it's because they're inspired. They have the passion, right? Uh, I look for what is meaningful with people. A lot of people haven't connected to it. And if I can help a person discover what they're really here for, what they're all about, which is not a specific something in terms of a job or an activity or a position in society, that's the beginning of the healing process. If I tell a person, if it turns out you're here to share what you've learned or you're here to help other people, I wanna tap into what inspires people because that's what helps them to overcome. Uh, So inspiration and finding meaning in a person's life, helping them to connect to that will allow them to transcend Almost anything.
0: Oh, I love it. This has been um, a very, you know, enlightening conversation for me, and I'm hoping that my listeners are, are having the same experience of like, yes, wow, uh huh. <laughs> you know, this is this is it right now. So, Dr. Allen, um, where where can people find you? You know, if someone's listening and they're like, I'm dealing with this, I need to know more give me this guy, you know, I got to know more. about well, what's he, what he's about this book he wrote, whatever, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. The easiest way to do that is to go to our website, which is under new options, Inc that's inc.com. There's a link there for the book, which is on Amazon. Uh, we're also going to be having some classes be put forward over the next month or so. Uh, we're trying to develop a community because chronic pain patients, do not have a support community, if they get together in groups, they don't have a technology like AA does to help them work together to help each other. Mm -hmm. This model, two-thirds of it is educational. So we're going to be bringing together people that know something about this approach and can work together without my help directly to empower each other the way AA does. Uh, So what we really want to do is get the word out and have people know about this and learn how much can be done because as you probably know most people with chronic pain think it's kind of done that's it i'm over yeah my life's definitely. over uh doesn't have to be that way uh i don't know how many times i've seen people switch and trust me impossible situations where i'm going really really uh but it's understanding that stress is not the event it's in the person it all depends on how you define your experience So like all therapies, raising awareness changes perception. You change perception, you change thoughts and feelings. I tell people, if you don't discriminate between a negative or a positive experience, both of them present a challenge. If you think a negative experience is bad, you may reject it. Learn from anything that happens, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. There's the power.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, Ah. and on that note, This has been Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Salvo. Uh, I really hope you got a lot out of this. I mean, what what an amazing episode. I'm just, I know I'm going to be sharing this all the time with everyone, anyone that I come across. Um, So thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day and take good care.